joining us online, welcome to Portico. Great to have you streaming with us today. If you're in our video cafe, the chapel, great to have you in the room. We're one church, one message. We've got many expressions, and our Milton campus is going on live right now is with us. And we're glad you're here in Mississauga. Didn't the men do a great job this morning? Yeah, give them a hand this morning. Thank you, dads. They got up early, and we're a part of that. Well, we're going to get right in. We're in a series that's called Authentic, and if you need to borrow a Bible, you raise your hand, and if you're in this venue here, our ushers are making their way through the room. If you're in our video cafe, there are Bibles available for you, and you hold it up. We'll make sure you get a Bible today, and you can follow along. If you're visiting, I'm going to explain in a moment the series that we're in the middle of, but we want you to have the Bible so you can see what God's Word says, and then also how the application fits into our life. And ushers, thank you for doing that for us today. Here's the two passages I want you to go to. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12. That's the text that's sort of been our anchor text, and uh, let me explain that. And the other one you want to look up, and if you're using, you know, sort of a, a tactical Bible, you got sort of a loose leaf and you want to flip over to 1 Kings 17, you can go there or get your electronic versions out and you can join us. So in our series, we're in a series called Authentic, and we're looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 9, where the Bible says to us that love must be sincere, and then begins to explain all these different attributes of what it is to live a sincere or an authentic life, because the world's filled with imitations. And I think all of us have this deep crave, this quest that we would live authentically and that people around us would live authentically. So we've been looking at the different attributes, the different characteristics that we need to be devoted, we need to honor one another, there should be joy that's there, we need to be patient with one another. And we're learning how to build into our lives the very qualities that then help replicate what it is to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ when God transforms us and we live the life that Jesus gave us. I think dads are probably one of our best examples when it comes to this area today that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about generosity because dads are often just generous to a fault. I mean, you know, the kids can go to mom and they can beg and plead and ask and then they go to dad and dad's heart, what does it do? It just melts and goes, okay. And you'll open up your wallet and mom said, no, no, you got to work for your allowance and dad goes, here, how about another 20? Some of you are going, I didn't have a dad like that. Sorry, but dads just want to love their kids. They want to give their very best, and I think that comes out of the heart of God. It's the very sense that we want to be generous, and when we look at Scripture, authentic people are generous people. Now, let me just put you at ease because, you know, if you're a real true dad this morning, you reached for your wallet, you went, "Uh uh-oh, we're talking about generosity, they're going to take an offering up. You can relax. Generosity is broader than finance. Generosity is really about a characteristic, it's a state of our heart, it's the spirit in which we live our lives. We're generous with our time and our talent and our resource, we're generous with our energy. So we're going to look at how authentic people are truly generous people today. And it takes us over into the Romans 12 text. Now, I'm living with you, I understand the challenge when we talk about generosity. In fact, let me tell you a little story on myself. I was working at home. Some of you know I enjoy playing with power tools and renovating. I'm doing some home renovations. And I needed to go down to a local building store to get some supplies. And I took a few things back and went into the store. And so I was, you know, it was a day off. And I wasn't dressed for you. I was dressed for work. So you understand what I'm saying? I wasn't going to meet anybody. I just wanted to go in and pick up my supplies. So when I do that, uh, people that do catch me in the store, they go, Pastor Doug. Like they're shocked that I look this way. And uh, so, I mean, I'm got jeans and T-shirt, and I'm pretty cashed out. So I'm walking into the store. I did my returns, and as I walk into the store, there was a person, as you go into the entrance, and they had a little display up, and they were collecting money, looking for a charitable donation. 
And they stopped and stepped out, and they said, would you like to make a donation? And I found myself just sort of like, well, I didn't come here to make a donation. I came here to shop. I came here to buy. And they had these, you know, these big eyes, these sincere eyes, and wouldn't you like to make a donation? And I'm not going to tell you which big box store. They have orange letters, so you can figure that one out. But anyhow, and so I was, I was feeling, it was funny, the feelings that I had in that moment, I, I felt a little bit guilty because I said, no, I didn't want to make a donation because I'm going to donate to your profits in just a moment. And if you want to donate out of your profits, you can make a donation. See, pray for me. I have this warped life that I live. And so then this girl gave me the look. You know the eyes? How can you be so cheap? It's only $2. They're only asking for $2. Everybody has $2. It's the principle of the thing, isn't it? So that's what I was feeling in the moment. Is anybody with me on this journey right now? Oh, good. Okay, good. It was the principle. I didn't go to make a donation. I would have done that if I thought I was going there. So, of course, now I'm feeling guilty about saying no to making a donation. And I'm thinking, why should I feel guilty? I'm a pretty generous person normally. I wanted to pull out my iPhone and actually bring up my CRA charitable giving records for the year. Look what I gave this year. See, I'm trying to defend my own position now, right? I wanted to pull out the pictures of the kids I support and go, these are our overseas children. We pay for these kids. And she's looking at me like, give me your $2. (laughs) And I just, I, I, and I don't carry change. And I just, I'm sorry, I can't. And I just moved on. So I was going through feeling what a lot of us feel like, wow, this generosity thing gets us right in the face sometimes, only to find out that my wife gave $2 on our behalf right after me. So I'm covered. I just married an incredible woman. She's got my back in this thing. But the thing about generosity is we sometimes get overwhelmed because it just feels like there's all these appeals out there. So even to do a message on generosity, people start shutting down. They're going, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we're already wrestling with this. And yet what we discover in the Bible is the Bible says to us that love that's sincere, and if you look at verse 13 of chapter 12 of Romans, says it's a love that will share with those people that are in need. It's a life A truly authentic life is measured by our willingness to give to others who have need. Now, there's always the overarching principle of finance, but there is also this undergirding principle. Some people don't need our money. Some people actually need our skill, or they just need an investment of time, or they need an act of service, or they need some mentoring. So generosity just runs this full gamut of life that I want us to learn together from. And we're going to look at how this fits into the greater context of our life. And so as we walk this out, I think truly deep down, we all want to be genuinely authentic people, people who are generous with their time, willing to serve others, people who are generous with their skills, or willing to teach others, people that are generous with their wisdom, we're willing to inspire others, and people that are generous with their resources, that we're willing to give, to share with others. Now, when we talk about generosity... I think there's a little bit of a default setting and our minds tend to move towards people who have capacity because we put this exemption clause, we go, well, I don't have that much, but Bill Gates, come on, he's got, he's got my back, he can care for all of us, can't he? I guess not, just me. So he's got enough resource that he could, and we tend to think in that way. If people have great resource and capacity, if they're enjoying levels of prosperity and abundance, these are the people that need to be doing the giving. And the truth of the matter is, is we often go to a default setting. We think that way. But the Bible shows us a better way to live, that if we're going to be authentic in every expression of our life, 
It's not about prosperity and abundance. It's even in the midst of adversity and challenge. It's how we live. It is the posture of our spirit and our heart. And I want all of us, before we leave today, I want all of us to leave this place, not just like our dads that were often very, very generous to us. I want us to leave as really followers of Jesus under our Heavenly Father who go, I will be a generous person in every capacity of my life. So we're going to look at a story. If you want to go to 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to look at a story where God actually shows this message of generosity through a person whose circumstances were extremely adverse, living in challenging situation. Now, the story is based on Elijah, who was a prophet of God. And if you're new to the Bible, or maybe you're visiting today, Elijah being a prophet, that just means he was a spokesperson. God would speak to Elijah. He would then take God's word and speak to the people of Israel. It's how God would communicate. And so as a prophet of God, he'd hear the voice of the Lord. He'd go tell Israel. So he's the prophet of God. And God would send him to a widow who was living in the region of Zarephath. And that region, just for a geographical understanding, that's up in the area of present-day Lebanon. So having lived down in around the area of Jerusalem and Samaria, God's going to send him north up into the region of Lebanon. And he goes, I want you to go up there. The reason being, at this particular juncture that we're going to read, Israel in the ancient Near East was in the middle of a severe drought. People were struggling. Crops weren't producing, livestock were dying, people were suffering, humanity was suffering. And God said to Elijah the prophet, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to send you north to a widow, and she's going to help you survive. So in her expression, we're going to discover generosity in the midst of adversity, and I hope by the time we leave, all of us, the principles that we have together, we'll look at life differently, and we'll live our lives differently. So go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Here's what we read. So God speaking to Elijah says this, I want you to go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks and he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I could have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called again and he said, and bring me please a piece of bread. Now watch the response. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, and I'm going to make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Wow, talk about destitute. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, but I want you to go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself for your son. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out or will not run dry until the the day that the Lord sends rain on the land. In verse 15, and so she went away. She did as Elijah had told her to do and there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family. And this is a remarkable story because often in our default setting, generosity goes towards capacity, people who have the ability But God would teach Elijah and a woman a very, very important lesson that generosity has less to do with our capacity to give. It has more to do with our conviction and obedience and trust in God. And so he's going to blend these two things together. And there's a couple of principles that I want to just take out of this text for you. If you want to take notes, there's an insert in the bulletin or you can go to uversion.com and follow along. Here's the first principle I want you to take away today. That generosity, truly authentic people, when they're generous, generosity will increase your sensitivity to the needs of others. That when we do embrace a generous lifestyle, one of the first things you're going to discover is as you do that, you'll begin to see 
and respond to the needs of other people more quickly. Now, our culture, we live in a culture that increasingly has desensitized us to the needs of others. And I think there's a number of different reasons if you want to write a few of them down. I think one of the things that we struggle with in our Western society particularly is what I call compassion saturation. There are so many voices, so many competing voices. There's the voice of hunger, the voice of war. There's a voice of homelessness and clean water and crisis response, all legitimate. And I wish, and as we all do, all needs that need to be met and cared for. But sometimes it's just like they come up like this gusher and they just overwhelm us and we don't know what to do with it all. And so you have this saturation level. Then you throw on top of all the legitimate and urgent and sort of pressing needs. Then you have the additional voices that are in the background. You got the appeals for save the whales and save the polar bears and save the planet and save the dogs. And you just go, what else can we possibly save? And we want to cry out, save me. Somebody give me something. Don't you feel that way at times? That's this compassion saturation that we have in our culture, and it continually bombards us, and I think it just it desensitizes us towards the needs. In fact, I was at home on a Saturday morning just enjoying a nice cup of coffee, and I was watching TV, and uh, many of you know Sarah McLaughlin. She has that beautiful song, In the Arms of an Angel. Let's all sing together. No, let's not. She has a beautiful song, you know, In the Arms of an Angel, and I heard the song come on, and I go, oh, I love that song, In the Arms of the Angel, and I look up at the TV screen, and there's like these dogs and cats, and it's the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and I'm going, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This is my one little moment of refuge, and now my heart is bleeding, and I'm thinking, okay, you can have my house and my car. We've got to rescue these dogs. The only thing that actually brought me a little sense of relief is I read an interview recently of Sarah McLaughlin who admitted, she goes, when I see the commercial, I change the channel. She said, I can't take it. Like even she admits it's over the top because you hear this and you just immediately want to respond. So we have the saturation level. And then there's what I call compassion fatigue. That we not only have all these images, but the fatigue part is it's instantaneous. Because of social media and Instagram and Twitter, everything bombards us and it's now. If if there's a volcano, we see it now. If there's an earthquake, it's on our screens, on our iPhones, on our iPads. It's now. If there's a global crisis, there's not even a measurable time to sort of pace a response to this. It just hits us and immediately causes this sense of overwhelmed fatigue. And you begin to wonder, what can I possibly do to make a difference? How can I, as an individual, make any difference to everything that I'm bombarded with. Well, again, this last week I was at home and watching some of the highlights of the news, catching the updates, and we're watching the drought that's taking place in some parts of California and deeper into the south. Then I saw California had a whole new problem. Now, I know we're not really sympathetic to California because it's a nice place to live, but they do have some challenges. And I was watching the news, and I saw this news report. If uh, you've been watching, you saw these little red crabs that are floating ashore and covering the beaches in Southern California. We're not talking like one or two. Here's a picture for you if you want to have a little look here. These cute little animals, this should make you hungry for lunch afterwards. You may go out for seafood. These cute little animals are actually washing ashore, and they're dying because they can't get back into the water. Now, I'm going to give you another picture because this doesn't do it justice. We're not talking about, you know, a few This is one beach, and if you were to turn the camera the other way, it runs as far as your eye can see. They interviewed a guy on a kayak. He was kayaking through a sea of red, literally looked like a red sea. He kayaked up to the shore, and they said, how deep 
is this sort of uh, you know, situation. He goes, they're about 12 to 16 inches deep. He literally was paddling through red crabs. And he goes, that's about five to seven centimeters deep in the water. And I looked at that and I went, wow, like how do you deal with that? And then this image of this lady on the news, on the camera, walking along the beach. She would walk along and she'd just randomly pick one up and throw it back into the water. And everybody's like, well, what are you doing? Like, what do you think that's going to make any difference? And she goes, well, I can't do anything for all of them, but I can at least get these back in the water. And she would selectively throw these red crabs back into the water. And it struck me. That's all God asks us to do. God didn't say take care of every red crab on the face of the earth. But the ones that are in your footsteps, you have an opportunity to selectively respond. And generosity is taking a look at the life, stewardship of my whole life, and realizing that I do have capacity and sensitivity towards the needs of the others. And it's not that I find myself immune to globalization and issues that are out there and I need to respond to those as well, but oftentimes it's just bringing it even right back closer to home. And I find that when I live a life of generosity, and you'll find the same thing, what God will do by his spirit is he will heighten your awareness towards the needs of other people all around us. Because you can make a difference, and together we can make a real difference in their lives. Go back into the text. Let me show you this out of Elijah's life for a moment. Elijah came to this woman and this widow living up in the region of Lebanon, and he said, would you give me a drink of water? So that was within her capacity to respond. It wasn't really going to cost her anything. Then he said to her, and would you give me some bread? So she's going to have to make the bread and then give of her resource, which she has very little left. So the request was pushing way, way deep into her sense of affliction and challenge. And so her response, verse 12, I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. It's back in your notes. She said this to Elijah, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. She's being truthful. She goes, all I have is a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks. I'm going to take them home. I'm going to make a meal for myself. I'm going to make a meal for my son, and we're going to eat it and we're going to die. Talk about destitute. And so in the midst of her adversity, God is going to increase her heart's capacity to be sensitive towards the needs of others. And we see this in the scripture. If you were to write down Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, you'll find references of where the early followers of Jesus began to realize that though they were severely challenged and persecuted and gone through hardship, that that didn't preclude them from embracing a life of generosity. And in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, it says that they would willingly sell property. They would willingly give things away. They would step in and meet together in homes. They did whatever was necessary to be authentic. See, people are looking for the real people. They're looking for people that don't just give the lip service. They're looking for people that will put their life into it and say, I realize you're in a situation, and I may be not in the best situation either, and I have limited resource." But all I'm asking you to do is be sensitive to the needs of others. And so here's what Elijah's doing is he's drawing her into a bigger picture because he knew Elijah was fully aware that his God was able to supply whatever her need was. That the limited resource she had, there was one who has unlimited resource that could step into that story if she would allow him. In your notes in James chapter 1 verse 27, perfect description of true religion and worship is. Here's what it is that God accepts as pure and faultless, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to be able to look at people in situations where they're overwhelmed in their own life circumstances and recognize that even though mine may be challenging as well, there are others that are even more desperate. And together, 
we can make a difference for one another. So as the church grew, one of the core attributes that people could look at it and they go, this is what makes them different. They were generous. They freely served, gave away their time. They gave away their experience and shared with others. And they gave away their resource. See, that's what generosity is. It's taking the full whole life experience and giving it back into a community saying, together we can live authentically because this is how God calls us to live. And it does something to our hearts. Here's a second principle I want you to write down this morning. When we do this, generosity will actually help you reframe how you use your resources. It makes us stop for a moment and look at all that we have. And when we embrace a life of generosity, we start to think differently about all that we have and how we use it. So let me show you with the story again. So when Elijah approached the widow, he was aware that all of them were going through the same drought, experiencing the same difficulty. But God had already stepped in and had prepared this woman. So look in verse 9, and here's what it says in uh, 1 Kings 17. God said to Elijah, I want you to go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Stay there. Here's the operative statement. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, I don't know how God spoke to her. Here's what we do know. God can speak to us in a dream. God has the ability to speak to us through circumstances. He can speak to us through other people. So God getting his message to us is not the limiting factor. God has this capacity. I think we all know that. All we do know from the story is that God told Elijah, you don't worry about this. I have already spoken to her. So she's already been prepared to be able to respond to the situation. So regardless of what your journey is, Elijah, you go, I've got you taken care of. So Elijah shows up, asks her for a drink of water, and then he pushes it a little bit. And he goes, by the way, can you help me with some bread? So he knew. He knew what was taking place here. And her response, I think, is a little bit of our tendency to respond the same way. Is her response wasn't one of generosity initially. It was a little more a response of what I call scarcity. It's when we look at our resources and we go, I really only have enough for me. And somebody with greater capacity can step in and provide for you. Made me ask a question. Why didn't God send Elijah to a much wealthier individual? There were kings available. Now, we know why he didn't send them to Ahab, if you want to read the Bible. They weren't on speaking terms. Those guys weren't getting along so well. But there were other wealthy people that we know of living at the time, and yet it's God's choice to send Elijah to a widow living in Zarephath. Here's a really interesting part. Now, if you're new to the Bible, this is going to be a teaching point, and if you've been traveling as a follower of Jesus for a while, you maybe haven't connected the two dots. The widow living in Zarephath was a non-Jew, just Gentile. And Elijah is a Jew. So God sends Elijah, the nation whose God is their Lord, he sends them up, he sends them up there to receive support to a non-Jew. And God is going to demonstrate that he is the God of provision to all people. That faith is not a matter of where you're born or where you live. That you can have a personal trust-faith relationship in the God of this universe. And if you trust him, So whether you're a Gentile or a Jew, you can move into alignment with God's purposes for your life. And I love that because God says the nations of the worlds are mine. And I will show people that if they'll trust me and they're generous with their life, I will provide for them. So here you have this woman. Her first response was a little bit of, I think, what we do, a little bit of that scarcity moment. It's like me in the Home Depot going, two bucks. Are you kidding? You need two dollars out of my life. But scarcity 
often only sees the cost, but generosity will see the opportunity that comes with this. Scarcity will limit your ability to risk your resource, but generosity will free you up to really trust God with everything you have. And scarcity is going to focus on you because you're going to ask, what about me? And generosity focuses on others. How can I make a difference in their lives? So people who understand what it is to live authentically, they know that God is helping us reframe how we use our resource. My teaching moment for this actually comes out of my life. When I was a child, when I was growing up, my parents had six children, so we lived in scarcity all the time. But uh, we had six kids. My dad was a pastor, limited income. But the one thing I remember is my parents taught us over and over, any good parent, any dad would do the same thing. They taught us one principle in life, and it was this. Always share what you have. So we'd go outside. We'd be playing with our toys. You know, we'd get our, like our little uh, Tonka toys or whatever toys we had. And if our friends would come over, you know, kids always want to kind of hoard their stuff in, and they don't want to give away their best stuff. Parents will step out. In that moment, parents will go, share your toys. So as kids, you go, okay. And you'd share your toys, and you learn how to play together. So they were teaching us this principle of generosity. Open up your heart. Open up your life. Share whatever you have with others. So as we grow, we learn that principle. As we get older, have you noticed we revert back to our early childhood where we don't like to share anymore? I experienced this even in my own life. I was working at home, and one of my neighbors came over, and he knows that I like to work at my house, and he came over and said, do you have this particular tool? And I said, yeah, I have that. He goes, would you mind if I borrow that because I'd like to work at my house? Okay. It was a reluctant, okay. So I have no idea, you know, how he's going to respect it. Is he going to use it? Will he abuse it? And I went, okay, I can give. So I gave away the, the tool, and I thought, okay, well, you know, go enjoy it and just bring it back. It's not back yet, by the way. And... Uh, Duly noted, God, keep that in mind. So he came over a little bit later, and we were just chatting a little bit. And, of course, my garage door's open, and he was looking. He goes, do you have, and he mentions another particular tool, which is right there. And I went, yeah, I do. Could I borrow that? That's my best tool. And he wants to borrow this. And in that moment, you know, there's just something inside of you that goes, I, I don't, are you... Really? Do you know how to use that tool? I'm not sure I can trust you with that tool. Should I give it? Anyhow, God just kind of taps you on the shoulder a little bit and go, it's his anyhow. Really, the resource he gave me to buy it, it's yours. And so you kind of let that go. Well, we kind of revert back to this whole scarcity mentality. Here's something about children, though. Tie it all together for you. We teach children. Parents teach the children to share. Why do we do that? Number one, it's to be generous. Here's the second thing. And maybe we don't do it consciously, but it's true. It's because as parents, we know that we have more than enough supply to meet and exceed their capacity to give. So when we're teaching our kids to give, we're saying, you go ahead and share your toys because mom and dad have capacity to step in. You'll never outgive us. So if you want to share that with your friends, you go ahead and do that because we've got your back. I got you covered. And as children, we didn't recognize that, but that's really the principle that's in play here. So what is God doing? God is teaching us that authentic followers of Jesus are people who open up their hearts. They share because God says, you go ahead and give because my capacity to meet your supply is greater than what you ever dreamed of. You'll never outgive me. So if you're going to live my life, you just give it away freely. And so that's what's going to take place. And I'm trusting God for a boatload of tools in the next week. So here we are. Anyhow, moving. No, I'm just kidding. 
But this is what we learn, that this whole area just reframes how we use our resource. Go back to your notes. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. This is what God commands us. He said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and always willing to share. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, and I like this, whether it's the words you use or the deed you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That it just sort of helps reframe again the generosity. It's not about our pocketbooks. It's really about our hearts. And so whether we're speaking or we're giving, it just changes us when we allow generosity to reframe how we use our resource. All right, one last thought. Let's wrap this all up. In your notes, I want you to write this down. Generosity. Generosity is the outflow of your character, not the overflow of your capacity. There's a a little bit of this default setting that I've talked about, that we live life this way. If I had more... I would give more, right? So we, we dream that, and we live that, and we unconsciously at times we live it that way because it's like how we get our jobs, you know. If they pay me a little bit more, I would maybe even give a little bit more to my family, and we get a wage increase, and we spend it on ourselves anyhow. So it really doesn't change our world. Did you ever notice the more we make, the more we spend? Yeah, yeah we do. We, we accelerate our lifestyle to match our incomes, so when we were first got our first jobs, we were learning how to live off McDonald's and doing just fine. And then as we move along, we just spend to the capacity that we have. So there's this subtle deception that we get caught up in that if I had more, I would give more. You know what the theme song for the Western world is? We'll sing it. If I had a million dollars. Yeah, if I had a million dollars. You all know the song, and if you don't, go look it up on Google. It's a great song. If I had a million dollars, it's my love song to Laura. I'd buy you a house. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy you a boat. I'd buy you some art. I'd buy you a reliant automobile, a K-car, right? If I had becomes sort of that underscore to our life where we really truly believe, if I had more, I would give more. And that further entrenches this whole idea and this notion of scarcity versus generosity. But what we discover... It's not about having the more. It's about releasing what we have already. That generosity is the outflow of character. It's where your heart's positioned, not the overflow of capacity. It's not measured according to your bank accounts. It's not measured according to the number of hours you have in your week. It's what your spirit releases you to do. If you wait until you have more, you'll never have more. If you wait for more money, you'll never have enough money to give away. Did you know if you wait for more time, You won't get any more time. We all get the same amount of time every week. Here's the decision. The decision is how do I take the time I do have and invest it in as a generous expression of authentic living? And and just maybe, just maybe you're feeling God tapping you on the shoulder going, you know, you spend a whole lot of time in recreational activities, but wouldn't it be great if you went with Cornerstone and you served the homeless? Or you went over to the hospital and you actually helped serve and maybe visited people in the hospital? Or you got involved in a community activity where you started to serve in and you took a few of your hours. Because friends, if we wait for more, we'll never have more. And how do I know this? Because I meet people who retire and I talk to them. I say, so how are you going? How's your time? I go, I have no time left. My family keeps me busy. My neighbors keep me busy. People take our time. We have to choose intentionally how to steward the resource that we have. Some of you, can you imagine if you took the skill that God has given you You're entrepreneurs of thriving businesses. If you took your knowledge and you spent a little bit of time investing your wisdom into new entrepreneurs and helped them, there are people that are struggling to get their businesses off the ground. 
And they're going, well, I wonder how I should do this, and how would I chart this, and what would a business plan look like in this direction? And you could step into their world, and you could coach and mentor and encourage and absolutely change the destiny of another group of people. Some of you are educators, your teachers. You could come alongside and coach students and youth and help nurture and mentor them and watch your generosity change. So if we wait for the more, the more is never going to happen. Back in your notes, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 15, here's what it says. When Elijah challenged her to go and make the bread, she went away and she did as Elijah told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family. The miracle is not merely the provision that God steps in on the background in. You know what the miracle here is for me? The obedience. That she went away and did. This was a woman living in adverse circumstances, but she knew God had spoken to her and touched her heart. And in her response, her generosity was an outflow of her character because she didn't have capacity. And friends, this teaches me that generosity is much broader than what the world wants us to believe. Jesus had a teaching moment. You can write it down. It was Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 21. It's when he was standing near the temple. The Bible says that there was opportunity where they could see the gifts, the financial gifts that people were giving to the temple. And uh, so Jesus was there with his followers, and they watched the wealthy people come by. And the Bible says they were putting huge amounts into the church and into the temple, and that was fantastic. It was all good. Then a, a widow comes along, this woman. She puts in two small copper coins, and it's really all she had to live on. And Jesus notices this, and he makes a remark right away. And he talks to his followers. He said, did you see what just took place there? Did you see the wealthy giving their gifts? And did you see the woman who gave her extravagant, extravagant gift? Notice what's taking place. They were giving out of capacity. And she was actually giving out of poverty. This is a woman who understood that generosity is the outflow of her spirit, outflow of her character. Friends, you don't have to have capacity. You don't have to have overflow in order to have outflow in your life. To have outflow is a choice. It's a way that you choose to be authentic in everything that you do and everything that you say. You have to be one of those that lives authentically, and it's the way we give our life to Christ, and we trust him in every dimension of our lives. Second Corinthians, it's in your notes. This is Paul writing to the followers of Jesus. He said, each of you should decide what to give based on what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves cheerful givers, and God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That whether it's giving financially, and maybe it will be for some of us, or maybe it will be allocating two or three or five or six hours a week, or maybe it's taking skill-based opportunities and wisdom and saying, I want to give that and serve back in to people that could use that in my life. That when we decide in our heart to do that, And we do it not reluctantly, but joyfully. The Bible says, now you've discovered what it is to be authentic. And now your life is going to change the lives of people around you. Matthew reminded us of these words of Jesus, freely you have received. He said, now freely give it away. And that's the joy-filled life. So I think on Father's Day, I think of my dad. And my dad was generous to a fault. And he would tell you today that he feels like he probably failed. He could have given so much more. He wished he could have given so much more. But in reality, he was just generous almost to a fault. And there's not one of our kids in our family that ever grew up thinking we lacked for anything in our lives. And I watched my family demonstrate generosity 
through the way they treated people in and out of the church. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that together we would become authentic in our faith and we would be generous to a fault. Amen? Let's pray. God, today, thank you. Thank you for the freedom to choose to be authentic. Thank you that you invite us not merely to dutifully do something that you haven't demonstrated before. And you, as our Heavenly Father, are extravagant in your love towards us. And there are men and women and young people, even in the room today, that maybe for the first time are beginning to realize that the greatest, most extravagant, generous gift ever given to us was the gift of Jesus Christ. To give his life, to pay the price for our sins, to invite us into a relationship with you. And that when we just say yes to him and we invite Jesus to be Lord of our lives, we're actually responding to your gift of generosity. And maybe today some will just say that for the first time as well and just invite you, Jesus, to be Lord of their life. And then I pray for all of us because the world is just covered with imitation. But help us to be those who are truly authentic in every facet of our lives to a neighbor across the street, to a family member in need, to someone maybe at a distant land that you bring into our awareness, that we would be those that would just reflect the glory and honor back up to our Heavenly Father, and that when people would see us, they wouldn't do it for the sake of our name, but rather we could just say, thank you, Father, because you gave us a chance to make a difference, even for those that you put in our path. And so I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.